With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello folks, it's David here and I would just like to take a moment to ask you to go and check out our sponsors NordVPN. Internet security, very important. I'm sure it's something that you're concerned about as well. Me, I like to know that I'm the person in control of my data. I live on my phone and the amount of stuff I do on it from banking to documents to private messaging, I need to know is secure. We all know that there are bad people out there who will come in and uh, try and get our details and um, spend our money for us. NordVPN prevents that, especially if you're using public Wi-Fis or you're using Wi-Fis away from your home. If you use NordVPN, you are safe and protected. It also allows you to take short holidays to places if that's ever required. It's a brilliant product. I use it every day and highly recommend it. And you can get a tremendous offer if you go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand. That's nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand. Or use the code heart and hand to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan. You'll also get one additional month for free. Risk free with Nord. It's 30 day back money, uh, 30 day money back guarantee. So all you need to do if you don't like it is just say nope and you'll get your money back. So go and check them out. As I say, it's very important. You'll get peace of mind. Go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand. Hello everyone, welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I'm your host as ever, and joining me today to pick the bones out of yet another schizophrenic week supporting Rangers is none other than the stalwart boss of Four Lads Had a Dream, it's Stevie Clifford. Hello Stephen. Hello David, hello everyone, nice to be here. Yeah, and listen folks, this might become... Basically, the, the post-match analysis that Stevie and I did in the car on the way home yesterday, because uh, we use those as sort of therapy sessions at the moment, because Rangers are 
taking you up on a Thursday night and then bringing you right back down on a Sunday. And the contrast in the last two weeks has been absolutely stunning. It was the same again. Thursday night, as high as a kite, could not be happier. And on the way into the game yesterday, as Stevie and I were speaking, both of us felt that Celtic would drop points at Easter Road. Both of us felt that Celtic were beginning to trend down a little. Uh, the results had kept up, but you can't always get away with that for so long that uh, eventually that would come back and bite you. And I'll be honest, Stevie, I stand by that. I stand by what we said to each other before the match yesterday. I do think that the difference is where my faith in Rangers winning the league, and remember I'm a fan, it's faith, um, has been shaken is I don't think Celtic will win their next 10 matches. My concern is that I don't believe, given what I'm watching at the moment, that Rangers will either. And... I feel that for Rangers to to not win this league, they have to go some, and they're going some. That's my concern. I also think that it's very reminiscent to me of 97-98 that you've got two teams, one of whom, Celtic, can only win the league if the other underperform, and the other one, us, who are underperforming. Yeah, I have a couple of things on that. First of all, I'm amazed that I'm actually on today, given the content that we discussed on the way home, it wasn't exactly joyful. Mm. Um, we were pretty downbeat. Um, and, you know, yesterday we were really excited. It was a nice day. The, the sun was shining. It was, you know, better weather compared to what we've been used to. The spirits were high. They then dropped points. And we're all really up for it. And at half time, it couldn't have been a better situation to be in. I didn't expect the next 45 minutes to unfold the way it did, which we'll get to. But, David, I, I, I tend to agree. We said at the start of this year, and we continue to say it, that the only team that could stop Rangers was Rangers. And that saying has come back to to be proven to be true every single week, more or less, since the, the turn of the year. It hasn't been good enough, and I, I'm I'm with you. It's it's not that there's a belief, there, a disbelief, or that we're thrown in the towel or or anything like that in terms of of the title challenge. There's ten games to go. You know, there's still a, a quarter of the season left, and there's so many games and twists and turns to go. But I, it's trying to get past what we're watching and and the the same mistakes getting over replayed from what we've seen in previous years I think that's the way to put it and that's why we're shaking especially after yesterday it was a chance to change the narrative it was a chance to get everybody uplifted and, and going for it and and unfortunately we blew it yeah and that that's the exact phrase we blew it um we we completely you know borrowed a gun and shot ourselves in the feet um repeatedly yesterday uh, and that's the thing that that really kind of gets to you as a fan, I think, is that that was a situation where Rangers were able to regain some momentum, um, some control put out into the mind of a Celtic team that had been winning, but does look to be tiring. And instead we failed. And again, it's all right looking at a match individually, which we will. We'll look at this today. Similar to Dundee United, it's a match we should have won. It's a match that, you know, we made so many chances, didn't concede many chances. Uh, but of course, the ones we did ended up being goals. You can't keep saying that. You can't keep saying it. We can't keep looking at things in one 
individual context. There are a lot of things that that are repeated, as you mentioned there, throughout certainly the second half of 2022 and throughout the season, incidentally. Um, I think now it's we have to accept that it's this group of players rather than specifically anything a manager does, because we've had two managers and we've seen a lot of the same things. And they are two different managers. They've got different styles, different philosophies, and yet a lot of the the results are are the same. Um, yesterday, for me, was another example of not being able to see a game out. Rangers have taken a lead against Aberdeen, Ross County, and uh, Dundee, and, uh, and uh, sorry, uh, Motherwell, and yet only ended up with three points out of those matches, which is just completely unacceptable. Rangers have won three of their eight league matches in 2022. Drawn four, lost one. That's not league winning form. And you have to you have to say that, that yeah, the performances were better than Parkhead, for example, or Aberdeen, which were two woeful displays. But it, the results aren't measuring up to what we need them to be. It really is that simple. Rangers they don't lose a lot of games, as we know. You know, two defeats in you know nearly seventy matches, but we draw a hell of a lot of them, and that's what's killing us. And it's a strange one because, to me, that if you're you know accusing the players of of a loser mentality, then well, they don't lose very often. So it's not that. So what is it? Is it complacency? Is it poor game management? Is it thinking a job is done when they get? To, to one or two nil when it isn't I think all of those are factors Yeah I would agree I don't think there's a I don't even know if it's a complacency thing people have asked this question and if we had the answer then it would you know we'd hopefully solve all their issues but for me David I think there's a real issue with it, how ruthless we are and in terms of somebody asking well what do you mean by that I would say that when we're in top in games when we're really pounding teams and we don't kill them off, we don't go for the jugular and then take our foot off the gas. I think that's where I think that we have issues. And even when we need to get goals, and if you look back to to Ross County, to Dundee United, to, to even yesterday, we can get goals. But once we get them, and we maybe get ahead, or we're two one, or we're three two up, or whatever, we don't ever go and kill it off. And I think that's the real issues we have as a team at the moment. There isn't a ruthless drive in this team. And I think that causes so many issues because we are vulnerable. And we're vulnerable not only to conceding goals, David, and teams score goals, right? I get that. What is happening at the moment, which is hugely alarming, David, is almost every single goal we're conceding seems to be coming from stuff we're doing. We're literally handing it over to teams and that's really galling and difficult to take. Yesterday was a prime example of that. We couldn't be any more comfortable in a match. We couldn't have played any better. I sat at half time and literally wrote on my match report that I feel that this is up there with the best we played under Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. I I could see tactically what he was trying to do. I could see the players buying into it, the overload on the right-hand side. All these wee words and things like that, you know, that were all these wee buzzwords and things, David, that the cool kids like to use. I was seeing it all, and I was I was happy. I was seeing different things from corner kicks, and I was enjoying it. But when you factor in the level of mistakes for goals that we're doing, I'm talking about five-yard passes, David, going straight to opposition and then breaking in two seconds later, scoring goals. This is where we are as a team. 
and and we need to the, the reality of it is that that cannot continue because if it does then this is only going to go one way and we we obviously dissected this a lot and it is therapy you're right because I, I need it by the time you get home you, you know it's kind of out your system a wee bit but one thing I did say to you yesterday and I'll, I'll stand by this is that this isn't title winning form and they either shake this off pretty quickly and get on with it or we all know what's going to happen but the big thing um, and we did say this the, the big thing is that thank god they're still in it it's only three points we've still got 10 games left so there is time to rectify this but they have to get it out of their system now yeah the problem with that is is that we've been saying a version of that now for two months and it doesn't change and and i would agree if anyone wants to say you know well the performances were a lot better um against motherwell and dundee united than they were against aberdeen or celtic then that is true yep and again in terms of trending you know and all the stats and stuff it would appear that rangers are going to head up the way but three wins and eight it just keeps coming back to that three wins and eight it's not good enough um it's you know the the one consolation is exactly that we given a two-month spell like that at the business end of the season you should be out of it you know you really should that should do you um and the fact is that it because the Celtics poor start it hasn't but it's still nowhere near good enough lots of of things to unpack firstly the positive the first half was a tremendous display Rangers were up for it they were aggressive they were hunting down Motherwell Motherwell didn't have a sniff uh, in that first half, Rangers were all over them, got two goals, um, looked to be in, in really good position to come out. And as you say, in the second half, add to that. Um, in the second half, intensity dropped. And that's fine if you're good at seeing a game out, but Rangers are not good at seeing games out. So why they feel they can do that, I don't know. And then I agree with you, incidentally. I think that you know what Giovanni Van Bronckhorst was trying to do in the first half was good. It was laudable and it was thinking right how can I get more players who can help us attack on the part and it did work in the first half what I don't get is that there were players in that second half who were dead on their feet I thought Scott Arfield for one who I thought looked tired Thursday but was definitely tired yesterday um we we make one sub with 10 minutes left and we're chasing a goal that's not using your squad well especially not with the amount of games we've we've got coming up and secondly why at 2-1 we didn't put Balogun on and put Lundstrom into the midfield. I have no idea. We were without Ryan Jack yesterday. He didn't make squad. So, you know, moving Lundstrom, I get, and it worked for a while, but then it became clear it was going to be different. When Motherwell were going to come out a lot more, they had to, then you, you kind of needed a proper defender in there. Um, and again, I, the, the use or the lack of use of subs baffled me. Yeah, Um on that point, first half, yeah, I think I think it did work really well, and and I liked what he was trying to do. I liked how John Lundstrom stepped forward, and we did everything about it was good. David, right from the off, we went for them. Um, Sakala had a shot that fizzed over the bar. Uh, sorry, not across the face of the goal, and then Morelos hit the bar all within ninety seconds. So it was a good intent. We had Kamara's short um, corner routine, and then we had um, a shot by Tav that was tipped over wonderfully by Liam Cayley, all within seven minutes. So it was the right attitude, it was the right intensity. We got two quick goals, which should settle any team down and, and open the floodgates at Ibrooks. 
I'm not talking about necessarily being 6-0 or whatever, but we should be comfortably enough to be seeing that out. Then, as you said, once the dynamic changes on the second, we have to be proactive. We have to see, or he has to see on the sidelines what we're seeing. Because you mentioned Arfield. I thought Joe Rebo was dead on his feet yesterday. Um, I thought that Lundstrom was tiring. I thought that Ryan Kent was tiring. You consider the shift that Alfredo Morelos put in. Now, I know you don't take off your best striker, but if we're wanting to be proactive at times, there's plenty of fresh legs on the bench there that we could have brought on that could have affected the game. And also, it changes the the dynamic of the match more favourably towards us because we're always on the front foot of that game and Motherwell are, are trying to pick us off. If you're bringing guys on that are fresher, fresher legs and things like that, how many times did we see the ball go to Sakala on the right-hand side or the ball go in that movement from our field and they didn't quite get there yesterday, particularly our field, because like you said, he was dead on his feet. That's where the criticism of the manager comes in because, you know, first half, wonderfully, everything worked well. And I don't quite understand how he can see so brilliantly tactically on Thursday night and make a magnificent change and change the whole game the way he did but not be proactive or even reactive when we needed it um, to, to changing that yesterday. And that's where it's difficult to argue against any criticism of him on that point. Yeah, it is, because is there some governed bylaw about not making subs I don't know about? Because Especially Gerard when you've got exactly five. Yeah, it, it, it baffles me. And then with the amount of games that we've got upcoming, to me, the inference is, well, I don't trust certain members of my squad. It really is that. Um, I wasn't going to go to this yet. I was going to go to this later. But in terms of criticism, a lot of criticism, because, again, that's another match where none of the guys we signed in January featured. Now, you and I talked about this yesterday, about criticism of Ross Wilson um, for this. And I've been critical of Ross Wilson's last three windows, in all honesty. I don't think they've been anywhere near good enough. To me... There's not a lot of point discussing it right now because it's currently on the knife edge of if we win the league and those guys do perform in these upcoming games, then great. I I would count Zakowski after that. He was brought in as backup. That's fine, right? Fair enough. But if we win the league and these guys contribute, it worked. Okay, and brilliant. But such is life at a huge club that those decisions... You either get them right and you're lauded or you get them wrong and you pay the consequences. If we get to the end of the season and these guys have made zero input, we've wasted a window and nobody came in and benefited the first team, then I think, of course, he's going to be under a lot of pressure and he absolutely deserves to be. At the moment, it's unproven. It's not looking good, but we don't know. You know, you you can say it's not going to work out from here or you can say that it's going to be absolutely brilliant and neither is correct and neither is incorrect at the moment. We don't know. But we will know in June. And for me, if it's a third window wasted, we've, you know, we've got to be kind of calling people to account saying, why are we continually signing players that make virtually no intre- uh, that make virtually no impact on the first team? And we're relying still on guys who were put together under previous regimes. Yeah, and I think that's entirely fair. Um, I agree with you. We, um, 
I said that we did speak about this um, yesterday. It was quite in depth. There is a train of thought at the moment to, to quite a lot of heavy scattergun criticism, and Ross Wilson's coming under that. And it's difficult to defend again because at the moment, when you're not getting any input from these guys that have come in in January, then it is it's really difficult. What's more telling for me, David, and what's more worrying about this situation is that it doesn't really matter what you, me, or, or Jimmy, a couple of seats down as in Ibrox think. It's what the manager thinks. If the manager's not using these guys that we got in January, and he can't use Ramsey, fine, we'll get to Ramsey in a wee second. But if he can't go and look at his bench yesterday and trust Diallo to come on at 60 minutes against Motherwell at home, then or Sands to come on when we're playing a midfielder at centre-back where he can play by trade and has played most of his games in the MLS there, we've got real issues with that relationship between them two already. If he's inadvertently saying that these guys aren't good enough and we're at the end of February, then I think that's more problematic than whatever our opinion is. Because if Gio's already doubting the guys that we brought in, then and and it goes back to what you said about not trusting them. If he's already there, then we're in trouble with that relationship already, in my opinion. And when it gets to the summer, we've got contract renewals, and that's a massive thing. Morelos, Kent, Aribo, and then you've got the other ones, the, the likes of, I, I don't mean to downplay this, but you've got Ryan Jack, Philip Hollander, etc., who are not top value. Our top value guys are the, the immediate priority. If we get to the summer and this is the same status quo with these guys as well, I'm sorry, but not only will questions be asked of Ross Wilson, the, the whole dynamic will begin to change from a few people questioning his role at the club to the majority of people questioning his role at the club. That's life at Rangers. I get it. It can be cutthroat. There was nobody criticising him the day he signed Aaron Ramsey. I still don't think Aaron Ramsey's been a poor signing. Well, you know, He's got to prove his worth. I get that, and he's got to become available. I get that, and it was a gamble. But he was a world. He's a world class player. Sometimes you have to take a gamble. So I get that, and he gets leeway there for me because I, I still think that every single one of us would have went out there and made that signing, or ninety five percent of us would. So that's not one for me. But the 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 ones, David, that are difficult for me to understand and comprehend is when he talks about Nathan Patterson's deal from Everton being months and months and months of negotiating, then he must have had months of knowing that he's got that ballpark figure in his head that he's going to bring in. So he must have known what was available from the club to go and get. Now, if there was absolutely nothing available, fine, I understand that again. But we know that there was a small amount available at least. Decisions like not spending an extra 100 grand on John Suter, but bringing in Sands, will be the one that he's going to be criticised for. And that's where, come June, if we don't win this league, there's going to be a lot of attention towards Ross Wilson and his position at the club. Yeah, if you get things right, you get lionised. If you get things wrong, you get sacked. That's football and that's Rangers. And like I say, I, I don't think there's a particularly impressive transfer strategy at Rangers certainly the last three windows and a bit before and, and the proof of that pudding is that we continually rely on guys who were here before that so yeah um i think it's justified i do now again i think you know 
in terms of harping on about it just now, um, it's not going to change anything right now. But come the summer, that's when reviews happen, and we'll know. That's the thing. We will know. It will not be up for debate anymore. And I'm afraid that the argument of, well, we would all have signed him. I would have signed Diallo if he was offered. Don't get me wrong. What an exciting prospect. But it's not my job to get it right. You know, I don't get the, the rewards for it. I don't get the adulation when it goes right. I don't get the money for it. Uh, it's part of the, the contract. It's, you know, things go well. You become a hero. Things go badly. The opposite happens. But uh, as I say, that's a topic that will be um, coming up very much, I think, in the summer. Um, back to the game itself. Now, Rangers concede far too many goals. And we'll come to that in a minute, Stevie. But Rangers don't score enough goals. And... The problem is an old one that we had addressed last season that's kind of gone back, which is Alfie weighs in and nobody else does significantly. And Kent doesn't score enough goals. The midfield don't score enough goals. Arebo doesn't score enough goals. Good players, but our regular goal scorers are our striker and our right back. And the rest of them have got to chip in with more than they do. Uh, and I felt yesterday that, that, you know, you look at the amount of space Motherwell were leaving Glenn Kamara on the edge of the box. That's because they're confident he's not going to do anything with it. It's a long-term failing, and it is hurting as this. It's hurt as in the past. Last year, we had other guys, Roof, Hadji, etc., that were all coming in with goals. Kent got more goals, Arebo weighed in with more goals. But this season, we've reverted back to the over-reliance on a couple of players. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. Kent's got two goals this season two league goals and that's nowhere near what we need Kamar Roof's completely fallen off the the radar for me David in terms of Giovanni Van Bronckhurst Roof's capable but he's, he's also not looked on form to me in a good while as well because, probably because he's not to run the team so I'm not I'm not going to slate Roof or, or criticise him but on your point of people weighing in Hadji was vital, his goals last season. We harped on about it. A lot of people said that he, he didn't, you know, he, he he wasn't prominent in games. And, and we we both said, and you famously coined, that he's a, he's a moments player. But those big moments are the ones we're not getting now in terms of goals and things like that. And you're right, we're back to being over-reliant. Fashion Sakala's got a good goal race, ratio, but he's not been starting enough for me. I hope that's changed now. I hope that yesterday we start and goal that he's going to find himself getting more game time because I think he does have that real kind of edge to him. I know that sometimes he can be a bit wayward and a bit unpredictable, to say the least, but he's capable. He's more than capable, and I think that he's more ruthless, again, back to that word, than than other people. Sometimes I feel that Joe Rebo, Glenn Kamara, Ryan Kent all want an extra touch when I would like them to be a wee bit more driven in terms of you know, committing a man or, or going for it. But it, you're right, David, it's a, a really difficult one. It's one we haven't addressed and it, and it's one that if it doesn't start happening, then, you know, it, it becomes it becomes difficult for us because that's where it goes back to, you know, team selection a wee bit as well in terms of if you lose Jack and Lundstrom, who are both your kind of driving force of the middle, and Lundstrom's more than capable of taking a shot and, you, and you're moving him back, it, it, it makes it even more difficult to defend that decision. Before we get on to the goals conceded and, and what Giovanni says, and I've got issues with, with kind of what he said yesterday as well, 
in terms of goals, you're absolutely bang on. If we're not getting it from Alfredo and, and Tab, and you're not getting it from the guys that were pitching in from the bench, you're going to get the problems we're getting now. And it's just, we are creating so much, and, and I get that, and I, I do think that's right. Yesterday we scored two. That should be enough for Rangers in, in any game in Scotland, barring a, a freak occurrence. The problem is, you know, three goals up at Ross County, goals Dundee United Aberdeen, goals yesterday. This isn't a freak occurrence anymore, David, and that's the big issue. Hey folks, it's David here again with more handy advice on how to trim your testicles. Yes, they're back. The Manscaped ads, which I know all of you love so much because you know how uncomfortable they make me. And if you want your balls to be more comfortable, and apparently they are when you remove Sherwood Forest from them, then you know what to do. Get a Manscaped kit. They're ideal for the sort of people who like to get involved in that sort of behaviour. I have one, but as I like my testicles to be set for winter, I have only ever used it on other places. And I have to say it works very well because I've hit that age where hair grows everywhere except your head and uh, in making my shoulders and back resemble less like a caveman it's absolutely ideal and trust me that is a thick thick brush to drive through it's effectively like trying to drive a car through a stone wall and credit to Manscaped's expert trimmer it does so if you want to take advantage of our special offer go to manscaped.com and use the special code rangers that's manscaped.com and the special code rangers well, you will get 20% off your first order and lots of goodies as well. So go on, give the people a surprise. I'm not suggesting that you tidy it up and then, you know, get your knob out and pretend to be a door at parties or anything like that. But if you want a new you for spring, bit of spring cleaning in the old downstairs parts and you'll be good to go. Yeah, well, here we go, right? Um, this is one that... You and I have been here before. We were here after the Hibs game and we criticised Alan McGregor um, and wondered if this was maybe a season too far. And he rolled back with some excellent performances. And therefore, we were both kind of relieved because I've mentioned before, uh, I was talking about it last week, it seems almost sacrilegious to, to have a go at him. But it's becoming less and less heretical to do so. Um and I did notice yesterday that the people talking to me, you know, my friends and family, people at the game that I chat to uh, online on the Heart and Hand website, that the consensus, and it's a big consensus, it's not a split down the middle one, is that it's time to leave him out because he's not playing well enough. Now, the first goal, I think he can do better. I think he can... Uh, and I would expect a goalkeeper to get a touch on that um, and knock it out, you know. And and who knows, you know, if a player's running in, fine. But I still expect with a guy behind him to deal with that. The second one is woeful. I mean, it's just, there's no way he can be beat at that near post. But it's not a rocket of a shot either. It's just a toe poke. And I don't know what he's doing. And again, it's not a one-off. This is not one you can look at and say, well, he had a bad day. He's had several bad days. Um, and there's a lot of goals that you think Alan McGregor in his pomp could could deal with, or Alan McGregor last season could have dealt with. And again, because of his age, there's always a suspicion that when he has a downturn, that that's it for him. But it's, 
about the here and now for me. Never mind next season or whatever, but also never mind the previous seasons. And and you know, I had people coming on to to defend it to be saying, "Well, he's a legend. You've got a short memory." And it's no, I don't. He is a legend. That's unquestioned. He always will be. But right now, is he playing well enough to be in goal for Rangers? And I don't think he is. I don't think that he's anywhere near it. As I say, the two goals yesterday were poor. I don't think the defence is confident in him. And the defence has its own issues regardless. But while it's not singling him out, as you said, the defending for both of those goals yesterday was was bloody awful. Tav and Goldson, that was embarrassing at that second one. I mean, it really was. The first one, Lundstrom's not a defender and he gets done by pace. Um, but even so, I still expect the goalkeeper to, to do better at both of those. And I'm increasingly walking out of games thinking that today, that these were preventable goals that he didn't prevent. Um, it's a tough one. And there are people who are just, you know, abs- understandably loyal to him and say, well, look what he's done for us in the past. And that's great. But for me, you have to look at the present as well. And right now, his goalkeeping is not of the level of a Rangers goalkeeper. It's not one game. It's been a while now, and there's also been a previous spell in it in the season. We're going back into that thing we had just before Gerard left, that every shot's a goal. You know, I think it was nine and nine then. It's six out of nine recently. Um, now, yes, defending, absolutely. But the defence gets changed when personnel becomes available or when players play badly. Barisic was playing very badly and he's been dropped. I don't get why it doesn't work for a goalkeeper. If a goalkeeper's not playing well then I don't understand why you don't give either McLaughlin or McCrory the, the chance. And I, as I say, for me, the second one was a real, oh my goodness, you know, is anything that that gets on target now got a, got a decent chance? Well, at the moment, it's got a, what, a, a, a 66% chance of going into the back of the net against us. We cannot keep doing this. We cannot make 59 chances in the last two games and score three and give up four chances and concede three. That's unmanageable. That is just not something that any team can do. Um, Faults at both ends, faults in the defence. But on the, the discussion about the goalkeeper, I think we do, as a support and as a management team, have to look past the fact of who it is and look at what he currently is. And right now, in my opinion, what he is is not good enough to be in the Rangers' first team. Yeah, rather bluntly, David, you're bang on. Um, listen, Alan McGregor's been a tremendous servant for Rangers. Um, he's, he's produced some heroic moments last season. He was as good as player, player of the year. year. Yeah, as Absolutely. good as player of the year as, as anyone. And I made a real case for him in terms of the quality saves he was making. And I get that. However, when you go back and listen to the, the pod we did after the Hibs game, after um, Giovanni was um, presented um, and, and we were at that with Adam, we said there and then that I thought that McGregor should have come out the team. And he did roar back. His, his shot percentage, everything went up massively. That's great. Since the turn of the year, David, Alan McGregor has been inadvertently either involved in costing or has cost Rangers six goals. Two up at Ross County, two at Parkhead, and two yesterday. That's just 
bluntly looking at it, that's not really going into elsewhere, Dortmund and, and things like that. That's not looking at everything. There's moments in games, kicking-wise, he's, he's really bad. But the big thing for me, David, aside of the goals, is, and this is what, again, I don't understand, Alan McGregor is now glued to his line. Now, before, he would rarely come. This year, he's just not coming at all because when he does come, he's making mistakes. We've seen it at Hearts, etc. I understand that goalkeepers can be down on, on kind of form, etc. But we're now actively setting up with the likes of Aribo and Morelos guarding our six-yard box because he won't come out. And that's not right in terms of what we're doing. It doesn't, to me, look like what you said, that, that they have any faith in him. Something happened yesterday, and many people maybe not see it or or think it's a big deal. See, after that first goal yesterday, Conor Goldson and turned and screamed at him, put his arms out wide, and, and more or less, the same as everybody, he more or less pointed at where that ball was and said, why are you not coming for that? Now, people will look at that and say it was fizzed across the box and that. In reality, it wasn't. That's a goalkeeper diving down on that. If anyone can point to me the last time Alan McGregor made a diving save, I'd be quite impressed to hear about it because he seems to just be... He, he seems to have lost the ability to move his feet. That happened at Parkhead with their second goal. It happened yesterday with that second goal where it just seemed to go through him because he couldn't move his feet quick enough. He actually moved his foot over the ball and it went through him. Like you said, it wasn't a difficult shot. And I'm not sitting here, David, I'm not sitting here as, you know, pretending that I'm, you know, Buffon or one of these great world goalkeepers or anything else. But the fact of the matter is, Alan McGregor is making mistakes that's hurting this team and it's directly costing us goals. These aren't mistakes that goalkeepers make and you say right okay that's your one in three months or four months and we and, and it happens because everyone makes mistakes this is regularly happening not only is it regularly happening teams are now targeting what we are doing in swinging corners playing it on time. top of them all the, all time. the time and it and it's there's a fragility everywhere now Giovanni van Bronckhurst gave um, as Martin put it yesterday quite rightly a politician's answer I wouldn't have expected him to come across and say, no, you know, we are looking at it and understand, because it would have crushed him. It would crush confidence, and you don't do that in a dressing room, so I get it. But what worried me is, it almost seemed like it was a complete surprise to him that the question had even been asked. Yeah. I, asked that that question. I asked him that question, and I thought that as well. He looked surprised at it. And that... That's a big worry to me, David. Yeah. Because anybody watching Rangers recently... And as you said, this isn't just us, you know, and, and ultra people saying you might be being ultra critical or that. This is two months worth of form. And this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. It's not. There's there's people actively in games. We sit in the gantry and hear what people are shouting. That first goal yesterday is a bog standard save. Even at worst, you're tipping it away or using your feet to slide it away. You have the awareness to know that there's nobody coming in. A touch on that takes it past the Motherwell goal scorer. So there's no danger really there. Goldson leaves it because he thinks it's an easy ball for the keeper. I'm convinced of that. And by his reaction, the same. Now, the, there has been mistakes in the lead up to that. John Lundstrom gives away the ball. Bassey doesn't make the 50-50. Lundstrom gets done for pace. Goldson leaves it. McGregor leaves it. So there's mistakes everywhere. But ultimately, as a goalkeeper, you should be making decisions and, and stopping the ball. The second one... 
<clears throat> second one's offside. I said that straight away um, to you guys yesterday, and Gio brought it up, and he's bang on. The bit before people might say, "Well, that's weird because the shot was never the shot wasn't in the build up." I think there was a throw; it got touched yeah. back. It got it got put back to the boy. The boy's miles offside. The linesman or the assistant is looking right at that. Now, if they can call Alfredo being a ball here either side the way he was with his two, they've got to get that right. It then works its way across, and we make an absolute catalogue arse of it. Goldson and Tavernier, just indecisive, not strong enough, and then that shot should be stopped. So it's not just McGregor in terms of it's all him, but at Ross County, it was just McGregor. At Celtic Park, at Parkhead, it was everybody. Goals, it's everybody, but he's got to be doing better. Directly costing us maybe four goals. It's, it's not on. It's 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 a decision now, David, which I think that previously you could have said, well, it's maybe a bit of misform and things. I now think it's a decision which has to be made. And we're looking at the replacement in John McLaughlin. And John McLaughlin is not Alan McGregor standard this no. year. Uh, sorry, last year. He's not Alan McGregor standard. Nobody will argue with that. But he's not worse than what Alan McGregor's doing at the moment. He comes for crosses, he's better with the ball at his feet, he's a good shot stopper. Is he capable of real world-class moments? We haven't really seen that yet, because he's not needed to be. I've seen him make good saves for Rangers away to Hibs last year, made a tremendous save, I think, from Nisbet, touched it wide brilliantly in the 2-2 game. But the upside of of, ta- of keeping Alan McGregor in isn't as big as the upside of putting John McLaughlin in. And I agree with what you said. I think this is now a decision that is not only prominent, but it's vital to make. He has to be taken out of that team, not only for, for us, but for himself. I don't want Alan McGregor's legacy in his last year, because I do think it's a certainty that this will be his last year, to be that we had to remove him in another four or five games time because he was becoming beyond even normal levels and that's my big fear take him out at the moment even if it's two or three games or whatever let him get back to where he thinks he can be and where we know he can be and then we'll we'll see where John McLaughlin is at that point the upside as I said David I'll go back to that and I think that's prominent the upside to keeping Alan McGregor in isn't as big as the upside to bringing John McLaughlin in and I think that's where we are now it does have to be made I agree with that. Now, you mentioned there the refereeing and the decisions yesterday. Now, there is a tendency that we have, understandably, and I think it's an honourable one to go, aye, well, but, you know, we made, and we did, we made terrible mistakes. But the fact of the matter is, is that, even so, that these are huge, game-changing decisions. In the first half, there's a tackle that I thought was a red card. There's a potential penalty incident. Uh, There are two marginal offside goals and there's a clear offside goal none of which go Rangers way and this is not unusual this is you know the week before at, at Tanadice two penalties and a red card not given this is every week Rangers don't get marginal calls it's, it really is that simple referees and linesmen don't give Rangers marginal calls whereas you only need to look across the city to see a team who do get marginal calls the Jota handball last week against Dundee for example the the Kyogo goal against Hearts that's a fundamental difference and it's costing us and again yesterday three minutes injury time whereas you and I watched the end of that Celtic game the ref comes up with six minutes okay there was a head knock but then finds another two 
in the six minutes. A quarter of the, you know, he adds a quarter of that on again, which by his logic means that halves should have 10 minutes added on to them at the end. And it's very difficult to escape the conclusion that at best, it's a subconscious thing. And at worst, and in the case of Clancy, I don't like to, to say that referees are, I, I've always been in the, they're bad, they're not dodgy. He really tests my theory on that one. Yeah, and I, I'll be careful about what I say. Um, the injury time one, David, six minutes added on at Ross County, play seven and a half, they score kind of thing. Yesterday, yesterday was atrocious, like letting them take corners, letting them, you know, corners getting cleared, letting them continue, letting shots go in. You know, it, it was verging on, on Clancy himself trying to take shots at that point. <laughs> this isn't This isn't just you know, a paranoid rambling thing. Dundee United was horrendous levels of officiating. Not close calls. Talking about easy, easy decisions to make. The pullback on Sakala, for example, the red card of um, Mulgrew. Yesterday, there was a pretty blatant red card. Now, he, he catches Conor Goldson. High studs shown, dangerous play. Goldson takes a really bad one. Um, apparently, very bruised and, and stud marks, etc., on his hip. Um, that that's not, you know, that's not a yellow card. So fine, right? Okay, he got a yellow. Fine. Rangers then had two penalty claims, two handball claims that we're not even getting the, the break from. And then there's the marginal, and you're talking about David. That Alfredo Morelos second one is ball here. Right, I don't, you know, excuse the phrase, but there's no easier way to say it. It's inches either way. But they can spot that, David, but they can't spot somebody getting hauled back like last week. And you're not, and, and this then goes back to VAR and, and just stuff like that. This isn't a case of Rangers saying, you know, VAR is, and, and you see some of the decisions, is the St. Mirren sending off a couple of weeks ago and stuff. The standard has went way down. This is before you even talk about Pataudry, Barisic getting elbowed in the face, play on, then getting told to go off and allowing Aberdeen to take free kicks against nine men and everything else. You know, Ryan Kent getting sent off for nods. This is weeks and weeks of, of Rangers being either side of, of poor and bad decisions. Every single game since the return of of Rangers from from the winter break, there's been a big call in every single one and we're not getting them. Penalty even, you know, you look at the one where, where Kent was barged in the back at home to Hearts. Now, we won 5-0 and that goes, so it goes be slightly under the radar and things like that. Um, when, when sorry, the, the Hibs game when, when Kent was barged. Like, stonewall penalties, David, we're not getting. You go up and then we went to Annan and in the cup game, Itton gets wiped out as he's about to shoot you know, and because we win that game, people don't highlight it. This is big decisions every single game that we're not getting. It's difficult to fathom why without, you know, coming to the old tinted, sort of blue tint, tinted kind of angle that, that we're getting. You don't like to use the word cheated, but there's things happening that I don't understand. And as a practising referee, a qualified referee, to, to a very low amateur standard, granted, I don't understand how they're seeing these things and not giving them. They look fairly straightforward. 
And even if you are missing them or you're blocked, how are the assistants missing? That one yesterday for Motherwell's second goal, to go from that to then go from Alfredo spotting that from a ball here of being offside infuriates me. I'm sorry, it really does. And and that is why we're not getting the breaks at the moment. And, it, and you know, if they say that it evens up, I can't wait for the next 10 games because we are due so much. Yeah. And, and the level of refereeing... It's not an excuse. It doesn't excuse what we're doing, but both can coexist. We're not getting the breaks. We're not getting the decisions, and we're certainly not helping ourselves. It's not an excuse to highlight both. Both are very prevalent and and coexisting, in in my opinion, of what is going on with Rangers at the moment. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And I think that, as I say, there is a tendency among us to just go, ah, well, we can't talk about the refs because we made mistakes. Yeah, we can. Right, we can, because even so, Rangers should have won that game, should have won at Dundee United. Um, and these are huge. You know, these are, are game-changing decisions. All of that said, um, we, we we take on St. Johnson on Wednesday. Um, it's usually a tough place for us to go. St. Johnson are not a good team. They've had a horrible season. Uh, there is zero excuse. My personal opinion is if Rangers don't take six out of six in the next two games, I would my beginning to lose faith would gather an awful lot of steam. And yeah, I would I completely agree with you. I, David, the disappointment of yesterday now, I'm at the point again where, right, it's gone, we can't do anything about it, let's kick on and get six points. It's also at the point where we need to gather momentum. I, I feel like if we can get some momentum behind us in the league and things, we'll start going. And and possibly the argument of, you know, we could hit form at the right time. I'm the exact same as you, however, in terms of I don't think we've got any, certainly not got a lot of manoeuvring or, or, you know, points to give away anymore. I think that we have to now go on a run. I'm not saying we should win 10 games, but Walter in his last year, when we won the third title, we got beat at home to Dundee United 3-2. And I think we went five or maybe six points behind David, one or two. But we all said we needed to win the remaining nine games. Now, we actually won eight. We drew with them at home 0-0 and they celebrated like they won the league, if you remember rightly. Um, they then went up to Inverness and got beat. Anything can happen in the running. But one thing for sure is... We need to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves and that starts Wednesday. Like you said, St Johnson's a tough place. They'll be scrapping, but they're not a good team. Aberdeen coming to Ibrox on Saturday, we know what they're like. They're not a good team either. We need to start getting ourselves together. Positively, I'm going to say to you right now, let's get these points. Let's start going to run. We can't do anything about yesterday. It's gone. So let's start. Take the positives of the first half, etc. Try and tighten up maybe make a few changes, which I think we should be doing, and then let's start to kick on. Nothing's lost. It's three points. We've got to play them twice. There's a hell of a lot of twists and turns and, and, and things to go, but we have to get six points. That's a must, and then we'll see where we are at the end of the week. Yep. Um, a massive week, because we can't keep doing this. We can't keep saying it's only three points, because it's not going to be only three points if this keeps up. Um the, the the ship looks as though it's sinking. It's either going to be that we fix the hole or that we have to accept defeat and grab the lifeboats. So time is running out. 
and this week I think will be absolutely pivotal one way or the other. Right, folks, thank you very, very much for listening to Stevie and I. Stevie, you can always get over at Four Lads Had a Dream. Um, just search for Four Lads Had a Dream uh, in Google or whatever, and up it will pop. Stevie, thank you for joining me. Uh, it's a pleasure, David. Uh, thanks for having us on. I'm sorry that we can't be a bit more um, upbeat and things, but what I would say is never been a better time for Rangers to hit form. Um, hopefully we're going to be about to see that. And I know that's blind faith. I'm a bit like you. This is either going to go one way or the other for me. I don't think we'll continue to be neck and neck. I think it's either going to go one way or the other. Let's hope it goes the right way for us and, and let's kick on and and hopefully roar this team on to, to a good run, a good run of form, which is very much needed. But a pleasure, David. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you, mate. Right, thanks for listening, folks. Adam will be back with Heart Hand Extra later this week. If you want full coverage of the upcoming game, starting with the preview tomorrow, as well as loads of other range of things, go to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you again next Monday. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>